0: Good evening everybody. Do please sit down. We have two public speakers at this meeting this evening. Barry Drinkwater and Doug Perry, Chairman and President, respectively, of the Uthlesford Licence Operators and Drivers Association. And I believe uh, a, a former Councillor Doug Perry will be speaking first. So if you'd like to come forward.
1: I'm suffering from a... Sorry? Back oh, no, don't worry about that. I'm suffering from a cold, but... Uh, Bear with me, please. Good evening, Chairman, Leader of the Council, Councillors, and Officers. I'm Councillor Doug Perry of Saffron Town Council and recently been made Honorary President of ULODA, which is actually it's a great honour for me. I want to talk very quickly because I've only got a few minutes that uh, because there was a suggestion that no consultation was to be allowed to take place between the trade due to what was being said the need and necessity I tabled a motion at town council which had been forward which has now been forward to UDC and is receiving due attention however during a recent meeting with a senior officer of this council a number of assurances have been given This has improved the relationship between the trade, the council and has gone a long way to improve partnership working. The way forward is complex with regard to licensing and further discussions are needed, which has been agreed. The three main aspects that were discussed at that meeting were the budget, the single point of contact and delegated powers. The budget was discussed along with licensing surplus and agreements reached, which resulted in a degree of transparency and understanding, including that involving resources. However, it should always be remembered that the surplus being ring-fenced can only be used to the benefit of the trade. The nominated person was also discussed, and a clear understanding has now been ascertained as to who speaks to who and under what circumstances. You are discussing delegated powers later in the agenda, but again assurances have been given as to the top-down procedure being proposed, and the actual detail is to be discussed at a more appropriate time. However, it has been conceded that in the future, with regard to the trade, information, education and prevention is the way forward dependent on circumstances. With regard to enforcement, can I respectfully suggest that as both planning and licensing have a regularity function and is vast and complex areas of law, that we return to the past and reintroduce a single enforcement officer with responsibility for each. I would like to express my thanks on behalf of the trade for the discussions that have recently taken place and look forward to working in collaboration with the Council, so that everybody benefits. Thank you, Chairman.
0: Thank you, Mr. Perry. I now call upon Barry Drinkwater to
2: come forward. Thank you, Chairman. May may I sit, do you mind? Or would you rather? Perfectly in order. Thank you. Uh, Good evening, Chairman, Leader, Members, and officers. I'm Barry Drinkwater, Chairman of Ottlesford Licensed Operators and Drivers Association, a role I've enjoyed for 12 years on and off, currently very much on. Um, I'm speaking on behalf of all our members and as the voice of the trade delegation of senior representatives, which includes Andy Mahoney, Managing Director of the District's largest operator, 24-7, and Robert Sinnett, Managing Director of Acme Transport. We three, along with Richard Ellis, the Uloda Vice-Chairman and Proprietor of Barnston Luxury Travel, have been meeting together with the Council regularly for several years on behalf of the whole trade. This evening I'm also speaking in support of Councillor Doug Perry, ULADA's President since our AGM in October, a role he says he has been honoured to accept. We came to know each other very well, working in partnership during his time as Chairman of the Licensing Committee. Doug was instrumental in setting up the licensing task group when the surplus of £160,000 plus, you may remember, was uncovered in the Council's licensing accounts. The licensing committee resolved that the surplus derived entirely from licence holders' overpayment of their council license fees should be returned to the trade via a ring fenced licensing reserve, and insisted that officers should work closely with the trade by discounting the fees until the funds were exhausted, forecast to be three to five years. Michael had been our single point of contact as the council's lead officer and effectively head of licensing. I refer to Michael Perry, of course. The taxi and private hire trades grew immeasurably on his watch. Uttlesford now has over 1,500 licensed drivers and 100 operators. He was both a lighthouse giving out clear messages to the trade about policy and practice and also the rock on which a few license holders foundered, came to grief under his enforcement regime. It was agreed from the outset that we would meet every year to review the licensing accounts in some detail to make sure that the budget was justified and to protect the trade's position ad infinitum in order to avoid any repeat of the Council's conduct in its administration. In short, to go forward with the interests of transparency and best practice paramount. We wrote to Dawn French on the day of Michael's retirement with the question, what next please? And the hope that she would be happy to engage with us on this and other matters as her predecessors had done. The Assistant Chief Executive Legal's exercise of delegated powers was of concern going forward, and of course that is on your agenda this evening, as Doug has said. The enforcement regime on which we shared our views with the Scrutiny Committee in the summer uh, is is also a matter that was of concern to us. Dawn Kearney agreed to meet the usual trade suspects with... Uh, Tony Cobden as newly appointed Licensing Lead Officer on 31st of August. We enjoyed a convivial hour or so together and looked forward to, had the vision of, working in collaborative partnership on licensing matters, with a lighter touch when it came to enforcement. In short, it boded well. You can't imagine, well some of you may, how very disappointed we were when the shutters seemed to come down almost immediately on the matter of the meeting to review the licensing accounts which was already long overdue. Within 14 days we were advised by email that the meeting was discontinued forthwith. We protested that this flew in the face of the spirit of transparency we had enjoyed over the previous five years and the decision had to be revisited, please. We have heard nothing any different since. Meanwhile, our reading of the report on the 2016-17 Budget Monitoring for quarter 2 presented to Cabinet on the 1st of December indicates that the licensing reserve has not changed since the end of the last financial year and there is if we read it correctly 16,000 pounds or 10% of the original 160,000 pounds still to distribute it defies belief that we are being denied access to council officers to address this matter with them we all owe it two colleagues in the trade, and are united in our determination to continue to manage the money, our money, it was, properly. Please, please help us by persuading officers to change their minds and meet with us without more ado. And thank you very much for listening.
0: Thank you, Mr Drinkwater. Uh, I should have perhaps mentioned to those who – oh, sorry, Councillor Chambers.
3: Mr Chairman, uh, I I didn't wish to interrupt, but I would certainly like to answer some of those questions that have been put forward, but please, I I do not wish to be rude and interrupt you. No,
0: no, no, you carry on. I can speak later.
3: Thank you. I I do apologise for that, but I thought it was important that I should get up and say a few words as Chairman of the Licensing Committee. First of all can I say I think we have an excellent relationship with the uh, licensing uh, uh, people and particularly the taxi drivers I'm a little concerned when I hear that they are concerned about the consultation Mr Cobden the Principal Licensing Officer has said to me and I believe he's written to um, the Chief Exec as well saying that we are always in favour of actually talking to the taxi drivers. To say that there there has not been sufficient consultation or whatever you like is completely wrong. The council is completely open with what it does on its licensing committee. Yes, there was quite a large surplus and I'm sorry but as it's been mentioned that Mr Mr Perry uh, I shall say Mr Perry in his position as Euloda President Uh, that surplus occurred when he was chairman of the committee. We had agreed 18 months ago that we would bring that surplus down to nothing. At the end of this financial year if we have any surplus at all it will be £5,000 and that is unlikely. Last year we gave a 20% rebate to all taxi drivers to ensure that we do pay back to them the surplus that we have in the licensing committee so I think we are doing the right thing with that. With regard to the budget there needs to be consultation between the officers and the trade. That will continue but I will have to say to you that when it actually comes to the budget it is the council. We are the ones that put the policy forward we are the ones that have to decide, not the taxi trade. Listening to what they have to say and taking note should happen, but it is up to us in the end because it's our budget and we have to do it. Now with regard to uh, enforcement, I need to mention this because it was, it was talked about that enforcement might have a slightly lighter touch. When you are dealing with taxi drivers, and the ones that the the committee and the panels deal with, are taxi drivers that normally have a problem. Taxi drivers are very, very important to the general public. They have to carry young children to school. They have to carry elderly people, disabled people. And you must have a high standard of taxi drivers to ensure... That nothing untoward happens. We have been extremely careful over the last 18 months that if there is any taxi driver that comes before us and has some sort of record that we feel is not suitable for him or her to be a driver, then we re- refuse the license. That is what we are there for, to guard against or make sure that the public is safe when they actually get a taxi so I would say to you that all the points that have been put forward we are listening very carefully to what the trade says we will continue to have consultation with the trade and our officers will, have, uh, will consult with them they have told me that they have actually written to the trade anyway and we will make sure that we do everything we can to ensure that we continue that good relationship, never forgetting that it's the council that decides the budget, not the tax not the council the taxi drivers. Thank you, Mr Chairman.
0: Thank you, Councillor Chambers. <coughs> I was just going to announce that uh, there are some uh, people here who may not be familiar with this building. Should there be a fire alarm, uh, the, the way out is down the stairs and out through the front door. I just should have mentioned that earlier. Uh, I'm now going to call upon Councillor Lodge to make uh, a statement about regarding counselor, former Councillor Keith Mackman.
4: Thank you, Chairman. I I received an email uh, yesterday from from, uh, Ripple Mackman, and she asked if I could read this out at the Council meeting. I would like to thank the Council members, first of all, for the meeting. I would like then to thank the members across the parties who came to Keith's funeral and afterwards at the Dunmore Club. It was heartwarming to see how many came and to listen to the tributes. I know Keith always did his best for his residents of whatever party. I like to think he did a good job. Thank you from Ripple Mackman and family.
0: Thank you Councillor Lodge. We now move on to apologies for absence and I have apologies from councillors Anjum, Light, Loughlin, Fairhurst, Hicks and Harris. Are there any other apologies? Thank you.
5: Chairman, did you have Councillor Artis on that list? I sent the apology in earlier.
0: Thank you. We have Councillor Artis as well. Thank you. In that case, uh, we'll move on then to... um, I should just, with regard to declarations of interest, uh, I'd like to invite Peter Snow just to make a comment regarding some conflicting interests that uh, may, may arise. Thank you, Shannon. Yes, uh, I was asked to
6: compile a list of um, twin-hatted members, uh, members simultaneously of the District Council and either the parish... Uh, or Town Councils or County Councils. I've compiled a quick list and I thought I'd just read them out so to save members having to make declarations separately. I um, appreciate some of the members are not here t- this evening but the list I have is um, as follows. Councillors Anjum, Artis, Asker, Susan Barker and this includes the County Council obviously, um, Davy, Fairhurst, Richard Freeman, Gleeson, Lemon, Lodge, Morris, Parr, Ranger, Redfern and Cell. I hope that's comprehensive. If I've missed anybody, I apologise. Thank you. Councillor Perry. Sorry. Perry. Yes, sorry.
0: (laughs) Thank you. Are there any other declarations other than those just mentioned? If not, we'll move straight on uh, to uh, the minutes of the meeting held on the 26th of July. Is this a correct uh, record of the meeting? Mm-hmm. Councillor Lodge?
4: Um, thank you no. Um, under this, this is under C uh, 20. I, have, I, have, I, um, I am misquoted there. Uh, I think, as I mentioned to you earlier, as this is a subject of a code of conduct complaint, there has been a careful transcript produced, and I believe that uh, the monitoring officer has that. Uh, Can I suggest that that is substituted for the incorrect words?
0: Thank you.
7: Microphone. I mean, it would be helpful if, if you could indicate the, uh, the, the disagreement with the Minutes so that members can approve the correct... Uh, um, yes, certainly. Um,
4: if I, can read, I think I, 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 I will read... I will read, read the transcript, uh, which was that I said, Thank you, Mr Chairman. I have good news for former councillor. Uh, UDC Council Chairman, in that in the current process that the Planning Committee Working Group is working rigorously and carefully on providing the evidence and and this does involve getting the infrastructure right. I'm rather amazed that Council Cheatham having and in the previous administration when possibly the work was not as rigorous as it is at the moment managed to foist a number of unsustainable developments on Saffron Walden in particular and at times even misled the planning committee in doing so. And I find it hypocritical that she is standing up and saying this now. The, the minutes, as they are written, suggest um, that the administration misled the planning committee.
7: So what I'd suggest is we correct the, the minutes, rather than repeat for a uh, what's in the transcript, we correct the minutes to indicate that your um, comment related to Councillor Cheatham rather than the administration... Indeed, yes.
0: Thank you. Um, moving on. Moving on to the minutes of the extraordinary meeting on the 16th of November. Is it, members, wish that I sign the minutes as the correct record? Yes, Agreed. Agreed. Matters arising. Are there any matters arising from the minutes on the 26th of July? Uh, I think I've just got uh, Sorry. Yeah, Councillor Dean.
8: I have a matter arising regarding the minutes of, in November. Thank you so
0: that it doesn't apply to the 26th of July no no No. thank you so I'll now move on to the the minutes of the meeting held on the 16th of November Councillor Dean
8: yes thank you Chairman this um, relates to the discussion that took place at that meeting on the local plan and the We had members of the public there and uh, obviously a a debate about potential um, new settlements. Um, My my question, I'd like to put my matter arising rising as a question to Councillor Susan Barker. The subject is that on the... It relates to a Freedom of Information request that on the 21st of October 2016, uh, at... 8.35 precisely, there was an email sent from a resident, I'll call it District Resident N, made the following freedom of information request, and I quote, could you please send me copies of all correspondence between Uttlesford and South Cambridgeshire relating to the option of including a new settlement at Great Chesterford in Uttlesford's draft local plan. On the um, 9th of November at the, uh, the 1445, the Council's response that was sent in summary said that the Council refuses to comply, UDC is exempted from providing the information as to do so would interfere with the, quote, safe space it needs to develop a local plan. Telling the public what it had done, had been doing, would affect the integrity of the decision-making process. So my questions are, does Councillor Barker agree that the public and members of this council should be kept in the dark about what dialogue has taken place between Uttlesford and Cambridgeshire local authorities over the prospect of a new settlement north of Great Chesterford, or will she now tell us what dialogue did take place prior to the pausing of the local plan? Thank you, Mr Chairman. Thank you.
9: Thank you, Chairman. Um, Chairman, the only correspondence that I'm aware of between uh, this council and the resident who attended that meeting was an email sent on the 23rd of October to which we responded on the 15th of November. Um, In that email, um, the resident asked for copies of the slides that went to two member workshops. One was a repeat of the other. Um, Those are confidential slides and those would not be uh, permissible. He also asked for uncirculated papers for the planning policy working group for the 25th of October. Those papers were never published, and we don't consider, members haven't seen those papers, and certainly as they were not published, the officers here felt that we were not required to release them. If you have another email from said resident regarding issues over Great Chesterford, then I would be happy to respond to it, but as I don't have detail of that, I'm unable to. I can say that to the best of my knowledge, well, certainly to my knowledge, there was no member meeting between members in South Cambridgeshire and Uttlesford, ahead of the pause in the plan process.
8: Mr Chairman, may I I come back? I have also been sent by the the same resident some correspondence which um, took place between that person and South Cambridgeshire District Council. In fact, he uh, put the same question to to South Cambridgeshire. Um, He was sent a couple of reports which were... At about this time last year, when the council was out to consultation, and this was the response to the public consultation that, that he replied that, that they, they responded to. However, there's also um, an email from the, a gentleman called Stephen Kelly, who is the Joint Director of Planning and Economic Development for, um, for both Cambridge City and, and South Cambridgeshire, and he he sets out. He sets out to the council. He, in this, he he's more or less saying that there's been no discussion taking place between last November and just before the the pause in the local plan. He he says that um, there are clearly matters that would be relevant, um, such as highways, such as education, that they would want to talk about. But it does appear that these discussions have been very limited and have not taken place. So I'm I'm raising this now because it seems to me we we need to pursue, not tonight in great detail, but that there first of all, we're getting information from South Cambridgeshire, which is not being made available by this council. And secondly, it does indicate that, that the amount of discussion that has taken place has been very limited and you know, the question therefore arises to when is that going to take place uh, and how does it fit in with the information that members have had so far which indicated that in some cases that, well, one has heard for instance that South Cambridgeshire has objected to this plan, this makes it, makes it quite clear that they have not objected, they have just raised matters that they want to ha- discuss and discuss. and and, and investigate with us. So I I would urge that we get on and do that, Mr Chairman. Thank you.
9: I have asked officers to arrange another duty to cooperate meeting between members, between myself and my South Cambridge counterpart. And I hope that uh, I've uh, asked the Chief Executive again today, so I hope that discussion can take place soon. To the best of my knowledge, South Cambridgeshire cannot object to a site we have allocated. Until sites are allocated and we go out to the next stage of consultation, it's very difficult for somebody to object, well, we're going to object if you do propose X. So, you know, we will have discussions. There are ongoing discussions. There have been discussions. Um, But as I say, it would have helped, and I could have been slightly better prepared if I'd known you were going to raise this before this afternoon. Emails seem to be flying around. If you'd like to, pass them on to me, then I will get you a further, more detailed response.
0: I'll now move on to item four, the report of the independent remuneration panel. Uh, David Brunwin, as this year's chairman, is to come forward and he's going to present the report. Uh,
3: Good
10: evening, everyone. We looked at um, four main areas in our deliberations this year. The basic allowance paid to councillors, attendance of members at briefings and workshops, the workload of the Licensing and Environmental Health Committee and Executive Member Functions. We really only have one recommendation and two things for consideration for you. First of all, the basic allowance. The panel felt that making regular small increases in in the basic allowance was preferable to larger increases less often. This would maintain its value without impacting greatly on the available budget. It would not be considered politically unpalatable and would move away from outmoded benchmarks such as ASH. Therefore, the panel is recommending an increase of 1% to reflect the Local Government Pay Award of May 2016. If accepted, this will raise the hourly rate for councillors to £9.81. 2017-18 with an annual cost of £2,700 as well as impacting on all SRAs benchmarked to that allowance. We noted that one of the group leaders has suggested that a thorough analysis of time commitment should be carried out as a possible option for the 2018-19 review. The second point we looked at was attendance of members at briefings and workshops. We explored how the scheme of allowances might be linked to attendance at workshops and briefings as a way of encouraging rather than compelling such attendance. We noted that there exists no annual schedule of programme or programme of relevant workshops and briefings, that no record of attendance was kept, and that none of the training events was mandatory. Moreover, for the greater majority of members, financial reward was irrelevant anyway. And we also noted, we consider that there is a strong case for a programme of member training and development, as the leader of the Council has suggested. But, first, it is essential for the Council to set out its expectations for such a a proposed programme and the commitment expected of its members. Third thing we looked at was a consideration for a proposal of remuneration of the licensing and environmental health committee members who attended extraordinary meetings. In the last 3 years there's been 14 extraordinary licensing meetings in each of those years. It was noted that there was a significant disparity between the workload of the committee's members. We therefore explored the possibility of a small SRA, similar to that paid to members of the planning committee, although the latter is linked to a requirement for the committee members to attend site meetings on a regular basis. Attendance at irregular licensing committee meetings was a matter of availability, and therefore the panel felt it would not be equitable to pay such an SRA to all members of the Licensing Committee. We would note that were the Council to consider or decide to change the structure of the Licensing Committee meetings to ensure a more equitable sharing of duties then we would not rule out the payment of a small SRA. Finally We looked at the workload and responsibility levels of executive members and decided that these had not significantly altered in the last year. We concluded that collective rather than individual decision-making was the norm at Uttersford, and so made no further recommendations. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Mr. Palin. Thank you, Councillor Rolfe. That was what I was waiting for. <laughs> Do I have a seconder? Uh, Councillor Chambers. Those in favour? Those against? Carried. Yeah, thank you. I would also like to thank Mr. Brungman for his presentation of the report, and thank the members of the panel for their hard work in carrying out this year's review of members' allowances. One of the panel members, Janet Pearson, retires from membership of the panel at the conclusion of this report, and I would like to thank her on behalf of the Council for her conscientious endeavours over the three-year period of her term of office. Mrs Pearson is travelling to visit family in Australia and I would ask that our thanks and best wishes are passed on to her. I now move on to Chairman's Announcements and I have a long list of uh, functions that I have attended since July Um, starting 29th of July uh, a garden party at Eastern Lodge which we hosted ourselves a civic function at Harrow Lodge, Havering Tendering Civic Pig Race, Cressing Temple, Rochford last night at the Proms, Mayor of, uh, of Harlow Civic Service at St Paul's, uh, Essex County Council Chairman's Dinner, Great Lees, Dumbo Carnival, Official Opening of Munson Mill Close, Hastow Housing, Costamongers Harvest Festival in Mary Lebow. Jack Petchey Awards at the Great Dunmow Folks Hall, Civic Service at the Mayor of Waltham Forest, Furrock Mayor East Barn Tour, which are fascinating. They have a costume store of all the major operas throughout the country. Major Gala, the Mayor's Gala at Castle Point, South End. South Benfleet Quiz Night the Folk's Hall, Great Dumbo, which we ran was successful, South Cam's Mayor Reception, uh, Brentwood, Mayor of Brentwood organized a, a fireworks, 5th of, 5th of November, an event which we really ought to consider doing ourselves because they made a huge amount of money. Uh, so I'd recommend that uh, perhaps... To, uh, Jeffrey Sell has a look at that and sees if he might have a go at it himself. 13th of November, we had a remembrance service in Saffron Walden, which I attended, and finally uh, a, a, a function at Basildon Civic Dinner. And that's, that was on the 18th of November. That's my announcements.
5: A point of order, Chairman. I think you've missed one very important engagement out, and that was last Saturday when you were married, and for which you receive our hearty congratulations. Thank you.
0: Well, thank you very much. I didn't expect that. Uh, Next item, we've moved uh, the Youth Engagement Report, uh, Item 11.4, up till now, because there are some young members of that, I think, here, so I would ask um, that... Yeah. <clears throat> Members will recall at the end of July at the July meeting, setting up a cross-party working group to explore ways of engaging with young people and to report back to the October Council meeting. That meeting did not take place, and the Youth Engagement Group now has a recommendation to present to Council. Councillor Lemon, I think, is going to...
11: Thank you Chairman and and thank you for um, bringing this uh, item forward. Um, I'd like to welcome tonight some young people from Uttersford that have come to the meeting tonight to listen to us and uh, hope gain knowledge from us and to see how our district council works. Uh, The Youth Engagement Committee have met four times and visited three schools. We have three more schools to visit and approximately 50 students have had some input. All three schools visited supported a formation of a youth council for Uttersford. We will be holding further meetings with young people. There are a lot of young people that aren't at school, that are in work. um, and We will be holding meetings with youth groups, scouts and guides, etc. Members of the group were really shocked of the lack of knowledge that many young people in our area had about the affairs and the work of the District Council. We do badly need to raise our profile with the young people of Uttersford. Some years ago, this is something else that has cropped up during our meetings, but some years ago councillors used to visit schools in the area and talk to the students probably I think on a yearly basis and I remember going to two or three schools and and talking to assemblies. Um, For some reason this has stopped but I'm sure the schools would be very welcoming to councillors and I would hope that perhaps councillors could visit schools on on an annual or, or even twice a year and talk to the children and young people there. You will see from our report that we have found funding of £2,000 to cover costs. We do need further time to enable us to get the Youth Council of Uttlesford up and running. Many districts in Essex have Youth Councils, and these feed into the Youth Assembly for Essex. Ten days ago, I attended the count in Uttlesford. There was an election to elect four young people in Uttersford to sit on the Youth Assembly for Essex and I think five people um, were put up and four places were there and uh, I went to the count and it was very interesting and certainly the young people there were very keen. I propose that the recommendations in the report be accepted so that we can move forward and come back to the council within three months with more detailed recommendations. I so propose. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Is there a seconder, yes. Councillor Felton? Yes. Anybody wish to make any comments or debate? Councillor uh, Parry. Morris. Morrison. Sorry.
12: Thank you, Chairman. Um, I know this has been a very special baby for two councillors who were unable to be here tonight, Councillor Barbara Light and, in particular, Councillor Paul Fairhurst. Um, they feel very passionately that the young people of Uttersford should be involved in, our, in the democratic process, and as do I personally. I fully support what the working group has been doing, Um, I also sit on the group, the body that has granted the funding to take this project further. Um, I think given the political atmosphere across the world at the moment, people, and in particular young people, have never been so engaged. And if we strike now, hopefully we can encourage involvement and we can build on that in the future. Um, I fully support this and I hope other members will do too. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Councillor Rolf. Any others wishing to speak? If not, we shall go to the vote. Those in favour? Moving on to item 6, uh, I ask uh, Councillor Rolfe to uh, speak.
13: So, uh Thank you, uh, Chairman. And just following on from that, um, the week before uh, we had what I think is one of the most uh, uh, enjoyable evenings in our calendar. It only happens every second year and that's the Community Achievement Awards. Um, you know the process um, uh, communities uh, put forward uh, somebody who has done outstanding work uh, in support of their community in support of others. And when you listen to the commendations, it is absolutely humbling, uh, the dedication, the time that people spend in their community. And I, I think it's great that we're able to recognise in a small way uh, those great people. And then, uh, before I uh, came uh, this evening, which is the reason that I missed the council briefing, which is the reason that I wasn't in a position to nominate the proposal, uh, but uh, I, I, I went to a uh, the, 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 the little food bank celebration, um, uh, it was a recognition of the volunteers that uh, are, are um, uh, functioning the, uh, the food bank, which is now not just in Walden; it's in Dunmer, it's in Taitley, it's in Thaxted. Uh, I understand there's an arrangement in Stansford as well. Um, they have supported over 400 people in the last year, of which over 120 are children. Now, it is a sad reflection of our time that that is necessary, but if it is necessary, then uh, we should celebrate uh, the the work that these people are doing, the the food that's coming in, of which they've got plenty, the volunteers, of which they've got so many uh, that uh, they almost uh, don't know what to do with all the volunteers, which is absolutely fantastic. So uh, that, again, is a a good story, and a combination of that and the community too. I think it just reflects the great things that are going on across uh, across our community, and we need to celebrate them and broadcast them more. So uh, coming on uh, to the next... uh, a bit of uh, positive news is that uh, I'm very pleased to uh, ask uh, uh, Marie Felton to be the lead member uh, for member development and training. Um, it's something that we've talked a, a, a lot about. It came up in the um, <coughs> member allowance discussion. Uh, it's something we're not very good at in Uttlesford. Uh, in we want to get better. Other councils are better than us. Uh, we can learn from them. It came up again in the peer review that there's more to be done. Uh, delighted that uh, this is a cross-party group. Um, there's uh, uh, somebody from each of the others, including uh, independent Mark Lemon, and uh, we very much look forward to uh, your work and your recommendations. And whether uh, taking away some allowance if we don't turn up to meetings is one of them, uh, you can be the, uh, you know, the, the, the judge of that. But that's not really that's a side t- 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 point. The, the, the key point is, not just at election time when, when new councillors come on board, but throughout their lives their continued uh, development uh, and uh, training. So that's great. Um, so Marie is a new lead member uh, reporting to Simon Howell's portfolio. Um, just to uh, three other comments about uh, the portfolio. Um, Tom Goddard is- ceasing to be the, uh, the lead member for sport, uh, Paul Davis ceasing to be the lead member for communication and customer service and I think we would already announced but uh, just to tidy this up, Terry Farthing has ceased to be the lead member for depots, maintenance and highway ranges. Uh, a combination of work pressures um, has, has, has made it difficult in a number of instances. Uh, the work will be picked up by the cabinet member, so there will be no loss of momentum in any of those areas. And uh, if we need to appoint new League members in due course, then we will certainly do that. something, as as all executive appointments are, are under constant review. Um, I think that's all, uh, Chairman, at this point, because devolution, I think, is is, is another agenda item later on. So,
0: thank you. Thank you, Councillor Rolfe. Are there any other members of the Cabinet wishing to make any comments? If not, uh, the young people who came um, this evening—if they—they're if very welcome to stay and listen to the meeting and see how we work. But if they wish to leave earlier, they, they're free to do so. Thank you. Uh, I now move on to um, item seven, uh, which is uh, local tax support scheme seven
6: hmm? Thank you, Mr. Chairman, councillors. This paper deals with the Local Council Tax Scheme for 2017-18, and it is an area of spending for for the Council that probably has more visibility than almost any other area, and certainly as much scrutiny as as any other area, primarily because we are required to consult annually on this, and we do a consultation which has many hundreds, uh, in fact over a thousand responses, Uh, and there are frequent papers to scrutiny, to Cabinet and ultimately to Council. It's a decision that Council has to take. The Local Council Tax uh, Support Scheme was introduced in 2013-14 and it has a number of key elements. Uh, Our Council Scheme ensures that pensioners on low income are protected, uh, that disabled people, carers and blind people on low income also receive protection uh, and that working age recipients uh, have for the last three years had their contribution frozen at 12.5% and the proposal for the forthcoming year is that we hold that 12.5% again. Um, now, to put that in context, because we, we talk about percentages, I think it's helpful to explain that the average council tax per annum is £1,568. So if you, receive a fifth, sorry, if you receive an 87.5% discount, you have £1,372 reduced from your council tax if you receive this benefit. Um, This means that a recipient who is of working age will pay £196 a year, £16.34 a month, alongside uh, somebody who pays the full amount of £130, or effectively £3.77 a week, compared to over £30 for an average council taxpayer across the district. And I would emphasise the point that we make each year. The 12.5% that we, we raise, or rather set, the, uh, the, uh, set it at, compares very favourably to every other council in Essex, which varies between 20 and 30% as the contribution rate that is expected. Um, so the proposal in front of you today is that we continue our freeze at 12.5% for a further year. The second element that we are considering tonight is the discretionary funding that we have provided to town and parish councils. When local council tax support was first introduced, the government provided some transitional funding by way of revenue support grant. That money has long since disappeared, but we have continued to honour that for a number of years from our own resources, but it is a discretionary grant and we are under no obligation to provide it. The cost to Uttlesford of providing the grant in full is £154,000 a year, and we are proposing a 50% reduction, the equivalent of £77,000. Um, you've seen the table which sets out uh, the contributions that that will require from parish and town councils. To give you an example, saffron Walden Town Council uh, will receive £28,000 less. That's the equivalent of about 1.5% of its total budget. And I'm very keen that we focus our financial resources on those most in need, which are the recipients of local council tax support, rather than town and parish councils who have their own fundraising abilities. The third area which we're considering tonight is to align some of the criteria on which uh, eligibility is assessed with the the key reforms in the way benefits are assessed. the proposal is that four of these uh, key reforms, which have already been introduced, should be adopted, issues such as uh, no longer being able to back date a claim from six months and reducing that to one month, similarly the period in which somebody can be absent from the UK to be reduced from 13 weeks to four weeks, um, and there are two areas which are being proposed for later in the year, we believe. And we are proposing that one of those continues to be an eligibility criteria. So we will not remove the severe disability premium where another person is paid universal credit, the carer's element, for looking after them. Now, we go through a consultation every year um, and uh, the results are set out in the uh, uh, council papers tonight. Uh, It's not a referendum, I need to emphasise that, it is asking people's their opinion, but we do try and reflect the views of local residents. We want to balance what we can afford with what the wider population would like us to to do. I do need to emphasise that although we are a wealthy area, there is no direct correlation between the wealth of this organisation, the Council, and the fact that we are a wealthy area. Um, I would like it to be different but the reality is um, that being a wealthy area does not mean it is more affordable for us. Um, And we do have some challenges ahead and it is in that context that despite the financial strength of the Council this year we are proposing the reduction in the uh, contribution or the subsidy that we provide town and parish councils. It is a complex issue I'm not sure we ever get it completely right or quite right, and I recognise there are lots of different views around this. I would point out that the contribution, keeping the contribution rate at 12.5%, continues to receive strong support from the consultation, with over 71.6% of recipients responding. Um, the proposal to, keep the, to reduce the parish and town council grants. Um, received the support of 63.8% of the consultees, that compares to 93.5% last year, and of those measures to align um, the way we define eligibility, the majority supported uh, those in in the case of five of the six measures, the only exception being the one that we're proposing to exclude. Um, Like you, I read all of the consultees' results or, 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 or comments uh, it is a complex issue, and I can see that um, it is often reflected in the responses, uh, but nevertheless I find it a very valuable exercise. But the recommendation is as set out, that the Council approve the Local Council Tax Scheme for 2017-18 as recommended to Cabinet on the 1st of December, and as set out in this report. Thank you very much. Uh,
0: thank you, Councillor. Um, I now, Councillor Howe, I now call upon Vic... Councillor Ranger, who I believe has an amendment.
5: Uh, thank you, Chairman. I would like to firstly thank uh, Councillor Howes for his clear and concise description of the proposals. However, I would like to table an amendment to the recommendation. I have um, provided Mr. Snow with copies of the amendment, which he is now going to distribute to members. And if this proposal, Mr. Chairman, receives a seconder then I would like to speak to it
0: later. Councillor would you like to just hang on while uh, Peter Snow takes Certainly so that will. Away, I That's think.
5: my intention chairman.
0: Whilst we're waiting for that, uh, have you got a seconder? Yes. Thank you.
5: Is that a seconder for the? Doesn't know what it is yet. Oh, it does now. Yeah. Right. Thank you, Mr. Snow. Uh, Chairman, yes, the uh, amended recommendation that I'm proposing is on point C of the recommendation to add to that paragraph limiting the number of children within the calculation to a maximum of two. So, in other words, keeping that as an exception to the alignment with the uh, universal credit proposals.
0: Councillor do you wish to speak on the subject?
7: Uh, not at this stage, Chairman, but I have reserved the right to speak later on, if necessary.
0: Councillor Ranger.
5: Thank you, Chairman. Um, Chairman and other fellow Councillors, um, it may help to illustrate my desire to move the amendment to Council Howe's proposal if I offer a brief family background. Colleagues have no doubt heard of Ranger's football team, Well, me, my family, could have made up a second team. Not that we would have been effective in the Scottish Football Leagues, but that would tell you how many we were. Well, we still are, in fact. My parents both came from working-class families in Walthamstow. My parents never claimed benefits. My father worked as a cabinet maker during the day. My mother did evening work at a local factory. While she was at work, my dad turned the living room of our house, the only room on the ground floor, into a woodworking area creating cabinets and other pieces for private clients. The floor would be covered with shavings and the house filled with the smell of the glue pot bubbling away on the gas stove. I learned an awful lot about veneering and French polishing as well as basic carpentry skills during my early years and also that there is no substitute for for work in building self-worth. My father used to vote Labour but he changed to being a Conservative voter when Harold Wilson raised income tax by one penny he viewed that as a disincentive to the working man, firmly believing it would reduce effort and subsequently output. That said, what was invaluable to my parents was family allowance, which was brought in by a conservative government in 1946. To cut the number of children to just two when calculating a support grant seems to me to be almost akin to a Chinese policy of limiting the number of children a couple should have. Our life cycle breaks down without children and therefore I would encourage colleagues to support the amendment. Thank you.
0: Uh, Thank you, Councillor Ranger. I have uh, 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 Councillor Howell first and then Councillor Dean next to uh, respond.
6: Very quickly, I come from a small family, but nevertheless I am very happy to accept the amendment.
0: Just to make it clear, we are debating
8: the amendment. Thank you. you. Councillor Dean. Yes, I'm speaking about... Well, I'm asking a question about the amendment because I'm... Um, or <clears throat> when, we, when this system came to scrutiny uh, whenever, however many months it was before the consultation started, I know there was a question about alignment with either it was universal credit or whatever, whatever the scheme was and there was a factor in there about limiting the children, number of children who essentially benefited... To two. So I thought that was already in the scheme that is being put forward by Councillor Howell. So, what I don't understand is what this is doing. That is, is, is this. This seems to be adding something in that I thought was already in or maybe that was another factor. I'm I'm just simply confused. Uh, I need need clarification.
14: So the recommendation was uh, under 6C was to align the local council tax scheme with the housing benefit reforms but to exclude removal of the severe disability at the premium and Councillor Ranges Amendment is in addition to exclude limiting the number of children within the calculation to a maximum of two. So it's removing the two areas of alignment from the council's local council tax scheme. So the purpose of Council Ranger's amendment is to add a further exclusion, which is the exclusion around maximum of two children.
8: I'm sorry, I hadn't read the word exception. (laughs) Right. Right.
0: Any other people, any, any other person wishing to speak on this? If not, so the we are now going to vote for the amendment um, and those in favour. Thank you. The substantive motion, is there anybody wishing to speak on that? Anybody wishing to speak on the substantive motion? So I'm now going to ask you to vote uh, on, the, uh, uh, on the substantive motion as a whole with the amendment. Those in favour?
6: That's
0: carried, thank you. We now move on to item 7.2, which is the Great Dunmo Neighbourhood Plan. Uh, And I'd call upon Councillor Susan Barker to present the report.
9: Thank you, Chairman. Chairman, um, the Dunmo Neighbourhood Plan, as we're all aware, went out to consultation earlier this year. Um, It went in front of the inspector. It came back to this cabinet, back to this council. It's now been out to a referendum where 21% of Dunmo voted, and the vast majority of those people voted in favour of the plan. At Cabinet last week, we put forward a proposal that Council to Council, and we recommended that the plan now be made. Once the plan is made, Chairman, then we will be able to draw down some funds for the TCLG that will cover our costs so far. Thank you, Chairman. My proposal is the neighbourhood plan be made.
15: Councillor Sell. Uh, the Chairman is again being modest in that I know from personal experience that Councillor Davy has been very much a, a driving force behind the neighbourhood plan for Great dummo and it should be congratulated as the first neighbourhood plan to finally get f- all through its stages, a number of communities in Uttersville, including my own instance that are still painfully working on the neighbourhood plan, Great Dumbo has done it
0: uh, thank you very much, Councillor. So I have to say that we owe an awful lot to uh, our town clerk. She's done a massive amount of work, and uh, I've just been in the background making it all happen. But but she she really does she really deserves some recognition. Thank you. Anybody else wishing to speak? Yes, Councillor. Councillor Council Redfern.
16: Okay. Um, I just wanted to say um, I can't tell you how envious I am of Great Dunmo because um, myself, I'm the chairman of the Chesterford um, Neighbourhood Plan group and it, is, it feels to me like it's um, ...nailing jelly to the ceiling because uh, it, just, it just doesn't sit well with me... ...and I have many conversations with um, Councillor Morris... ...who has the same issue with um, the saffron Walden neighbourhood plan. It's not easy. So what I would like to ask, please, Councillor Davis ...if you could um, do as an idiot's guide... ...to how to put a neighbourhood plan together.
0: I will certainly give it some thoughts yes. as, as to how it can be done... ...but we, we, one of the people that we involved was a fellow called Daniel Bacon... Came to us as a student, and uh, he, he, it became his. his um, if anybody could explain it, he could. Uh, okay. uh, Councillor Barker, Barker.
15: Graham
0: Barker. Oh, Graham Barker, thank you.
13: Chairman, I, I was just trying, we hadn't asked for a seconder, so I wish to second the motion for the plan to be made.
0: We'll now go to the. We, I think we need a seconder. <laughs> a, done have it. You, <laughs> done it. He's done it. Thank you. Thank you very much. Right. In that case, we'll go to the vote. Those in favour? Unanimous. Thank you. We now move on to the corporate plan, and the report relates to... Uh, Councillor Rolfe is going to present it. Thank you.
13: Thank you, Chairman. And... Um, as it says in the paper, uh, we update our plan on an annual basis. Uh, but I, I, I'd like to thank the Chief Executive, because he uh, helped to give us a discipline this year that uh, I, I think has been very helpful. Um, so I draw your attention to uh, paragraph 11, which is the vision uh, working together for the well-being of our communities and to protect and enhance the unique character of the district. Uh, I think we all respect that um, One of the challenges of of Artlesford is that you have to move forward at the same time respecting your past. Um, And, you you know, I think uh, the the plan um, endeavours to do that. So, uh, within that vision, uh, there are key themes uh, which you'll have seen, but I'll just take you through those. Um, The first is to promote thriving, safe and healthy communities. Health and wellbeing has been a key aspect of our work uh, for about 18 months, two years now, and it's important that it's embedded in the plan. The second heading is to protect and enhance heritage and character, the point I was just making about uh, where we are, where we live. Um, Supporting sustainable business growth, the uh, other arc of the the tree. Um, And finally, uh, and underpinning all of that, uh, maintaining a Financially Sound and Effective Council. Uh, and underneath each of those headings, I won't read them out obviously, but uh, there are a number of examples of how that will work. And sort of a, a call running through that is this whole idea of place and community leadership. And I guess what we've just talked about, neighbourhood plans, and I'll add my congratulations to Great Dunlow, is an example of that, how how local communities are working with the district council to complete a whole picture. And if I just take um, health and well-being for example, so those are the uh, headline um, uh, ideas uh, in our corporate plan. At a level beneath that, there's the health and well-being board, um, and a number of councillors have already seen their uh, priorities and principles, and and those that haven't, uh, I'd be very happy to pass it on to you, because it's summarised in a very impressive circular graph. Um, And that takes you down to the next level. And then the level beyond that, which health and well-being are working on at the moment, is what are the actions uh, that you're going to undertake to deliver Those goals, and obviously measuring those against the outcomes, and having some kind of measurability within the system as well. So this is this is the plan. Don't think it's the end of it. It, it, It's the top line, and beneath it, um, uh, everybody is working, and the council is working to those general corporate uh, ideas. So I think that's probably enough, Chairman. But obviously, happy to discuss.
0: Anybody wish to speak?
8: Councillor Dean. Councillor Dean. I'm just slightly confused because at the, the pre-meeting briefing, where of course Councillor Rolfe wasn't present, I understood that this was essentially something to note because it's work in progress, and that the plan, plan proper will be coming back in February. Uh, I just like to clarify. I mean, this says um, the actual recommendation says. Uh, To that, that it be approved, but we're not at the approval stage yet, I think. But I'd like clarification on that, please.
0: Thank you we move on then to item eight devolution update councillor Rolfe
13: thank you uh, chairman Um, so just to take you through the chronology of what has happened um, over the summer and probably since we last spoke at council uh, you'll remember that there was a vote of fifteen Essex leaders in the early summer uh, and they voted eight to seven that's uh, one county two unitaries and uh, 12 districts uh, against any due-volution model that involves a directly a directly elected mayor. Uh, I'm going to call them a DEM going forward. Um, now, shortly after that, uh, we had the, uh, the referendum and a change of administration, and so it's felt that there might have been a variation in policy. But the Secretary of State for DCLG, Sajid Javid uh, confirmed at the Conservative Party conference that Dems remain a cornerstone to devolution. Since then, you'll have read in the local press that Cambridgeshire, Peterborough, Norfolk and Suffolk attempted a combined (coughs) bid uh, that failed. um, And that then became Cambridgeshire and Peterborough, and they are currently proceeding. Um, Norfolk and Suffolk then tried to resurrect the rump of that. And that also failed, uh, due to some Norfolk authorities not wanting a den. Uh, we're left now with Suffolk, and basically they're uh, selling themselves to... This is broadcast live, I don't what I say. But uh, basically they're touting around to see if anybody wants to partner with them who isn't part of a, another devolved body. Uh, and that includes talking to um, Colchester and tendering. But I think you can understand um, cross-county It does create a lot of problems uh, when you're talking about... Financial streams. So we'll see how they get on. Uh, Suffolk are broadly keen to be a devolved model, but aren't big enough to be able to do that. So that sort of paints the picture a little bit about what's going on. I think there are now some signals coming out of Whitehall that Dems may not be the only option, that what government wants uh, is a clear leadership trail. Um, and um, in the health service, they call it uh, the throat that I can grapple around. Um, and it's a bit more dignified in local government but they want some degree of uh, accountability, somebody that uh, obviously is holding, uh, holding the torch. Um, we're currently waiting for the outcome of the local growth fund and I think that's going to be quite significant. Uh, to give you an example I think Celep have put in a bid for about 250 million, and we're waiting to see how much they get. In terms of whether devolved bodies get a lot more of the local growth fund than non-devolved bodies. I think it'll give you a little bit of a clue of the direction of, of, of government, but uh, we wait to see that shortly, I would imagine. But meanwhile, um, outside of any devolved structure, um, Essex is uh, working on uh, both the, the Essex economy, and uh, we had a present today, today from the Essex Economic Commission, um, a report on the greater Essex economy 2016, Uh, entitled Enterprising Essex Opportunities and Challenges and um, within that uh, they talk of key challenges being raising skills and qualifications, developing opportunity sectors and technologies, improving transport infrastructure, expanding availability of suitable workspace and commercial premises And supporting coastal districts. I'm very happy to circulate this to anybody that would like to see it. It's quite a long read, but it it is interesting. So there is this, you know, background work happening, and then in addition to that, we also. Heard uh, about a, a body that was set up during the devolution discussions, Pan Essex Growth and Infrastructure Framework, uh, looking what, at what particularly we need, uh, infrastructure we need in Essex to drive our economy forward. So, so work is carried on, but, uh, carrying on, but not necessarily in, in within a devolved uh, model. Um, and um, you know, clearly there's no governance about the outcome of the uh, recommendations in terms of how they're taken forward on a collective basis. Uh, and there's, at the moment, no central uh, government money flowing through as it would with the devolved body. But nevertheless, um, uh, work work is carrying on. And and, um, in uh, West Essex, uh, we are looking at uh, economic (coughs) development. We're not very good in West Essex at uh, bidding for select-type money, although we do have uh, one important bid, actually, uh, in this time round. Um, So a combination of the... Uh, London-Sansing, Cambridge Corridor Groups, which is uh, West Essex and uh, East Hertfordshire, will make an appointment uh, of somebody who will look at uh, the economy of the the M11 uh, corridor area in terms of how can we take advantage of available monies and better focus uh, our demands. And um, we're also looking at, uh, collectively at health and well-being in the West Essex um, and, and the skills agenda as well. Um, we've said in this council chamber before, for too long um, the tertiary um, qualification in Essex is absolutely out of alignment with um, uh, what, what business uh, needs um, and uh, it's to everybody's advantage obviously if we can, if we can better do that. Um, it, When the uh, the Economic Commission spoke, they talked about good employment in Essex, uh, but we are lagging in Essex behind on productivity, and as you know, the country as a whole is lagging behind the rest of Europe, so we are really lagging, um, and we are poor on skills, level four skills. So there there are some good areas to to, to work on and to focus. I think, um, uh, finally, the last thing I'd like to say, uh, Chairman, is that um, we will uh, get together as a subgroup in the new year Uh, sort of take account of of what i've said in in terms of some of the lessons that would have come out uh, in the growth fund and um, some of the further budgeting details some further indications from whitehall uh, just in terms of how we align all of those points i hope that's uh, what the council was uh, expecting um, but there's no substantive change uh, in terms of the devolution model since we last spoke thank you
0: thank you councillor Rolfe. anybody wish to make any comments if not, we shall then move on to uh, the members' questions to the leader, executive and committee chairman. We have 15 minutes set aside for any questions to the leader, members of the executives and committees. Councillor Morris.
12: Thank you, Chairman. Um, this is possibly a question for the leader, for Councillor Rolfor. or it could be for Councillor Wells. Um, We heard about six or so weeks ago about the proposed closure for Carver Barracks. I just wondered whether we could have an update on the proposal for the sports facilities and athletics track. Thank you.
0: Any other questions to be asked? Councillor Foley.
2: Yes, thank you. First of all, I apologise for being late. I got held up at work. Um, a number of people have asked me, and maybe you could uh, help and clarify for everybody, that should a solid proposal come forward for Eastern Park, how does that figure when the distance in between the possible development Eastern Park in Dunmore is only 100 or 200 yards how does that figure in the the new development if you like when it's uh, people are concerned that that's just urban sprawl maybe you could uh, help me understand that thank you
0: Thank you. Uh, we now move on then to item 10, and I'm not aware of any reports at joint committees or external bodies, so I will pass on to the next item, 11, and I see under 11.1, there are four matters to report before you from committees and working groups. The first item is to consider a recommendation from the Performance and Audit Committee for the appointment of external auditors, and I invite back Councillor Oliver to present the report.
7: Thank you, Chairman. You have here the recommendation that the Council opts in to the appointing person arrangements made by the Public Sector Audit Appointments pass for the appointment of external auditors. You will recall that we we were audited in the past by the National Audit Office. When that that organisation ceased, we were given a firm of auditors. And that their term finishes or ceases after the 2017-18 audit. Therefore, we were, we were given really three choices: one is in, to opt in to the sector-led body, public service, public sector audit appointments; two, to establish an audit panel and conduct our own procurement exercise; and three. To explore the establishment of local joint procurement arrangements with neighbouring authorities. Frankly, two does not run because we do not really have the capabilities of setting out an audit panel, auditor panel, to appoint a new firm of auditors, and we will get the costs of doing and the expense of doing so as well. As for the third option, basically all our neighbouring councils have gone in with PASS so we accept Essex County Council. So that leaves us alone. And you will see on, on Note 5 the various advantages of using PASS. So thus it is the recommendation of the uh, Performance Nordic Committee that we opt in to the PASS arrangements for the appointment of the next external auditors, who may well be the same ones we have now. Thank you. Thank you. I move.
0: move. Is there a seconder?
15: Second Councillor Hargraves.
0: Councillor Hargraves. All in favour? Passed. We now move on to 11.2, uh, review of parliamentary boundaries. And I ask Councillor Howell to present the recommendation of the electoral working group. Thank
6: you, Chairman. Councillors, um, we had a very positive meeting on the 6th of October. And I'd like to thank colleagues for their very uh, productive input at that meeting. Um, Specifically, we were asked to consider the Boundary Commission's proposals for the saffron Walden Constituency, uh, and we welcomed the proposal that the constituency should comprise the whole of Uttlesford. Um, it reflects the current administrative boundaries and the strong community ties that exist, and we felt that that was very much uh, a recommendation to be welcomed. As set out in the paper, it was, in the view of the author of this paper, the best possible outcome for Uttlesford to remain intact, Uh, without being divided between a number of constituencies, and that was certainly the case in the previous consultation where Dunmo and south of the district, and and a slice of somewhere else was going off to Harlow. Um, To achieve the proposed constituency size between 71,000 and 78,000 electors, uh, it's proposed that four neighbouring wards in Braintree are added to the Saffron Morden constituency. These are the Bumsteads, Uh, Rain, Yeldham and the three fields um, which neighbour my own ward uh, Finchingfield, Wethersfield and Great Bardfield Um, Clearly we don't have as good communication links between East Braintree and Saffron Walden as we do with the uh, areas of Chelmsford that we previously or currently are connected to but nevertheless I think that we are in all other measures very similar We have a very rural population and they're dispersed I go there as often as I go to Saffron Warden, if I'm honest, so I feel quite, quite feel quite at home. Um, anyway, the proposal, I think, is one that we can support, and I'd certainly propose the recommendation.
0: Thank you. Councillor Sell.
15: I'm quite happy to second that, Chairman. I was a member of the Electoral Working Group, and I endorse what Councillor Howell has said. It may be of interest, just a little bit of background. Uh, the Saffron Warden parliamentary constituency, which fortunately retains its name, has been in existence since 1885, and the wards that were currently in the constituency, which are part of Chelmsford City, and if the boundary review does go ahead, and there's always an if, they'll have had a fairly short duration within the second ward constituency of something like 10 years, and we are... Getting back a little bit of the territory that we used to have prior to 2010, some colleagues will remember that the bumpsters were part of the Southern Ward constituency, we're not getting back all of it, the house did stay out, and what we are getting, if my information is correct, is that, uh, as Councillor House said, we've got two wards, uh, three fields. Um, which is a bit of a misnomer I'm not sure why Threefield consists of four parishes um, which the chief one is Finchingfield which to my knowledge has never been part of the ward constituency in its history and the Rain Ward as well which again to my knowledge has never been part of uh, of the constituency but I do accept that they are a much better fit for us than the current situation thank you
0: thank you councillor sell anybody else wish to speak in which case we'll go to the vote Uh, those in favour carried thank you Um, we now move on to the reports from the constitution working group uh, and ask councillor ranger to put that forward
5: thank you chairman Uh, before I go through the um, proposals. There are two typographical errors to correct. In the recommendations, paragraph 2, the paragraph referred to should be 1.1.5 on pages four or five of the Red Book. And in paragraph 3 of the recommendation, it should be paragraph 20 of the appendix that's uh, added to the papers. Colleagues, uh, there are just three changes to our constitution proposed this evening which will in total lead to a more efficient operation of council procedures. I will outline them in reverse order as noted on the papers. Uh, Firstly, or rather thirdly, within our constitution we agree as indeed we must to comply with certain legal and governmental rules and regulations. As those are updated, even though they may retain the same intent it would require the matter to come before us to agree to change the wording within the Red Book, which is notably absent around the tables, thank you, um, for, uh, in order to keep the Constitution up to date. That's got to be a bit of a nonsense, really, when we could empower our monitoring officers to make the changes, advise us through the Member's Bulletin and issue the replacement Red Book pages for insertion. Secondly, the CWG is recommending that an additional paragraph be added to the overview and scrutiny procedure rules to allow a call-in to be withdrawn, and then the chairman of a scrutiny meeting can cancel the call-in meeting or not set one as the case may be. Within the proposed paragraph, there is a proviso for the meeting to go ahead if the scrutiny chair feels it is in the public interest for it to do so. Lastly, the one change that members may feel some unease about is to remove matters arising from council and committee agendas. Cabinet and working groups are not affected. Appendix 1, which we've all been issued with, deals with what may commonly be called FAQs and it provides pointers as to how members can assure themselves they are satisfied with how the business of the council is complete and transparent. Perhaps the most salient points are noted in paragraphs 8 and 9 of Appendix 2 and I would most particularly ask members to consider the fact that the agenda is in the public domain five days prior to the meeting and members of the public may decline the opportunity to attend or listen in if they thought a matter of interest to them was not going to be discussed. I propose the recommendations in paragraphs 2 and 3 with the appropriate corrections together with the recommendation in paragraph 4. Thank you,
0: Chairman. Thank you, Councillor Ranger. Uh, do you have a seconder? Councillor oh, Oliver, thank you. Any comments before we go to the vote? Councillor Lodge. Lodge, thank you.
4: Uh, thank you, Chairman. I'm uh, deeply concerned about, about the um, uh, deletion of, of matters arising. Uh, It seems to me that it's it's fundamentally anti-democratic and and really gives too too much uh, power to to the chairs of various committees. I noticed then that in Appendix 1, which has just disappeared from my screen, got it back again, um, we we, we have a number number of ways of uh, um, alleviating the problem of matters arising. So we can have informal informal and formal, uh, going down to 2.9 of various ways in which we can uh, get around the problem of matters arising. Why on earth do we have to have this complexity? It's a very simple process, leave matters arising, and committees can function that much more efficiently. Uh, I shall certainly not be supporting uh, that move.
0: Councillor Dean. And then Councillor Barker.
8: Yeah, thank you, Mr Chairman. One of the um, discussions that we had at uh, both the, the last scrutiny committee and the one before that was how to keep track of the work programme um, and where, for instance, we would requested something to happen, be carried out by the Cabinet or wherever, that we had a means of keeping track with that. Um, one way of doing that is that one asks a question on minutes of the previous meeting. Uh, what we decided we needed was uh, an action list that we could keep track of and eventually write things off as done with finished. Um, and so that that is is what is being implemented. One of you know one of my concerns is that we make we come here tonight we make decisions um, and. We ought to ensure, as members we ought to ensure that what is decided happens and it doesn't often doesn't happen overnight uh, and it's very easy to lose uh, track of matters I accept that for instance it might be that it's six months on that one wants to uh, deal with something rather than at the following meeting but most most matters I've, I've noticed tend to be what, what was agreed at the previous meeting but it is you know I think it's a matter of audit trails, um, that of, of, of transparency and continuity in making sure that, that things happen. So, I'm not, I, I think, for instance, that it's rather heavy handed that one would be expected to put down a motion to ask a question as to what happened at the previous meeting, or for that matter, one before that, as referred to in paragraph 2.4. Um, it says here that members can ask questions at council meetings. But as things stand at the moment, we don't have an item on committee meetings that I'm aware of where it's questions to the chairman or whoever about previous business. So so that would be limited to council meetings as things stand at the moment. Uh, So I I, I just think we we need to proceed with care here. We've got something which we've been using for, well, 30 years since I've been around here, and I'm not saying that things should not change. I'm, what, I'm, I, what I'm saying is let's, let's note this, let's actually agree and come up with some solid arrangements that aren't over burdensome but, but equally well ensure that we, we don't lose track of things before we delete something which is regularly used to keep a track on what happened at previous meetings. Um, so whether I have to... Uh, vote against this or whether I can get reassurance that we could delay the implementation until we've worked some of these things through and and taken into account what we've decided to do at scrutiny, then we might, you, you know, I might be satisfied, but at the moment I'm not satisfied with the changes as proposed right now.
0: Thank you, Councillor Dean. Councillor Barker. Thank you, Chairman. Chairman,
9: Cabinet makes decisions or it refers things to council. Council makes decisions. Planning committee makes decisions and the Environment and Health Committee make decisions. Regurgitating those decisions, unless they are recorded incorrectly, is, is not easy for the public to listen to. And as has been pointed out in this report, it does not happen at any other council in Essex. I hear what Councillor Lodge says. He's been used here to having matters arising. He's been an Essex County Councillor for three and a half years. He's never raised the issue there. Why are there no matters arising on our agendas there? It doesn't happen. Uh, it doesn't happen to any other council in Essex. We are being advised to make a change which is in good practice with the rules around running councils. And I think we should take the advice of our chief executive, who is recommending that we make this change and move forward and put appropriate checks in place to make sure that actions that are, are proposed at meetings are, you know, we make sure they are carried forwards in a timely manner but uh, Chairman I'd like to uh,
0: put the recommendation Councillor Ranger
5: Thank you Chairman I'd just like to take the opportunity to remind members that uh, the Constitutional Working Group is a cross-party group and uh, we reached a decision to bring these uh, changes forward to Council tonight um, after quite uh, a good discussion on the whys and wherefores. As I pointed out before, Appendix 1 gives um, various options which exist, they're not new, they've always existed and as Councillor Barker pointed out, um, there are, as Council, Planning and Licensing and Environmental Health um, that make decisions that at the next meeting, particularly in in the Planning Committee, there are opportunities within the agenda where we've agreed um, in, a, in a consent that as an agreement must be entered by the applicant and other bodies they are reported upon as a separate item. So there, there, it, there is no need for it in planning and I seriously can't see as any need for it in licensing and at council we have as evidence on the agenda tonight questions to the executive questions to the leader we've got ample opportunity to follow things through and it's us as councillors who have to make sure that those things are followed through. We've got to do our job. We can't just rely on coming along and regurgitating everything all over again. We've got to be precise and concise.
0: Thank you, you, Councillor Ranger. Well, there we have it. Um, Councillor Barker.
11: Thank you, Chairman. Um, The appendix quotes... Um, an authoritative work Knowles on local authority meetings. What status
13: does that publication have? Is it like wisdom, which is the ultimate answer?
7: (laughs) It's really like the wisdom for uh, local authority lawyers and uh, democratic services officers. It's the closest to an authoritative work on uh, committee procedure. So, uh, following on of that, if they say we should do it, we should do it?
8: Yes.
0: Uh, right. In that
8: case will go to the vote.
11: Chairman, can we favor- take the
8: three separate changes? Sorry, s- can we take separate votes on the three separate changes? Because there are three topics, aren't there? Yes.
0: Can do
8: it that way. Very well. We'll
0: do it that way.
16: Um, I, I'm sort of um, minded to support um, all the recommendations because, uh, as um, Councillor Ranger said, is, it has come through the cross party constitutional working group. But I would like to ask if it would be possible to have, when, when we have a cabinet meeting, um, everybody gets um, a notice of key decisions. And if we could have something that came out like that after meetings it just gave all of maybe in the members bulletin it just gives us the key decisions that have come from different committees because if we don't get the minutes until yeah. the agenda and the minutes are published we'd never see a draft copy so we don't necessarily you know it's a t- it's always a timely reminder you know with my parish council we get a copy of the draft yeah. minutes straight after the um parish council so you know if there's something you want to yeah. To follow on, I just wonder if I'm not saying it has to be absolutely everything, but if there are just some key, <coughs> key decisions, then I, I would be happy to support that.
8: On, on a matter of procedure, Mr. Chairman, it's just occurred to me that um, there's always been the practice that when there are uh, constitutional changes, that they're laid before the council at one meeting and then we make a decision on them at the following meeting. We haven't seen these before. So therefore I think all we should be doing tonight is just simply noting them and moving on. we would be breaking the constitution if we actually vote on this tonight.
0: Previously, being the practice but not being part of the constitution, apparently.
14: The, the so, one one.
0: we will now go to the vote on each of these items in turn. Uh,
14: before you do that, can I
0: make
14: a comment,
0: can I make a comment to Councillor
14: Redfern's? Uh, yeah. Chief Executive. So, in response to in response to Councillor Redfern's comments and your comments, Councillor Dean, about an action list and progress update, we can facilitate that because indeed, we, officers do generate a list of key decisions, so that obviously officers so we can share that with, with members accordingly.
0: Councillor Ranger,
5: Thank you, Chairman, for allowing me to stand again. Um, I refer members to their red book? Oh, sorry, I'm the only one with one. Yeah. Um, uh,
16: <laughs>
5: Changes to the Constitution This page. is page 246 and part 2, article 15 Review and revision of the Constitution Changes to the Constitution may only be made by the full council after consideration of the proposal by the Constitution Working Group Thank um, you Rest my case
0: Nevertheless, we will do it item by item. Uh, so, in, uh, starting with <coughs> item A, can I have those in favour? Those against? Two, three, possibly. Thank you. So that's carried. Item B, change of overview and scrutiny procedure rules. Those in favour? That's unanimous. And item C, inclusion of powers to allow the monitoring officer to make routine changes to keep the constitution updated. Those in favour? that's uh, carried thank you we now move on to item 12 the appointment of monitoring officer and I call upon the chief executive to present a recommendation for the appointment
14: thank you chairman Uh, you may have noticed the department departure of uh, Simon Pugh uh, this item is to recommend that Simon Pugh is appointed as the monetary officer, this follows the retirement of Michael Perry uh, after which uh, uh, Mrs Oliver was appointed monitoring officer and then following her retirement we are now in a position where we need to appoint a new one and the recommendation that that appointment is to uh, Simon Pugh
0: Thank you Any comments? Councillor Chambers. Mr. Chairman. Proposed. Is there a seconder? Yep. Second. Councillor so. Howard, Rolf. Those in favour? Yes, that's
15: unanimous.
0: Unanimous. Thank you. Is somebody going to go out and fetch him in again?
11: I <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> hope he hasn't gone. Um, Excellent. So we we now move on then to the proposed changes of delegations, Chief Executive.
14: So this is uh, an item which is consequential to the appointment uh, and the changes uh, uh, following the retirement of the Assistant Chief Executive, Michael Perry, and this uh, tidies up and clarifies the delegations which will be operated as a consequence to his departure. So...
0: Councillor Chambers. So proposed, Mr Chairman. Thank you. Seconded Councillor Lemmon. All in favour? Unanimous, thank you. (coughs) We now move on to item 14, an investment opportunity. Let's see if you can read that. Right, Uh, which I shall read out to you. There was originally to have been a part one report on investment opportunities, but that is now all to be considered in part two of the meeting. So this item is withdrawn and will be considered under part two as it is commercially sensitive and the council is subject to a non disclosure agreement. This is the only matter to be considered in part two. Uh, and we now move on to other items yeah, any, other business? None. any other business before we That's been notified. I, I haven't had any notification of anything anybody else No. Nope. so we move mm-hmm. on then a proposal please to go into part two Councillor Chambers
3: oh, Mr Chairman I could I propose that we move into part two resolved that under section 1001 of the Local Government Act 1972 the public be excluded for the following item of business on the grounds that it involves the likely disclosure of exempt information as defined in paragraph 3 of Part 1 of Schedule 12A of the Act. I so propose.
0: I'll just correct you. I think it's under Section 101. I think you said 1001.
3: Well, I've got a misprint. No, that's right. right. It's, it's
0: 101. OK, well, that, that's fine. We need to have a, so can I have a show of hands please that we go into part two thank you right